The First Era Podcast, Episode 2. Greetings and salutations, Earthlings. My name is Scott, your host for the First Era Podcast. Wow, two months have gone by already. We have certainly have had some exciting times reading the developments taking place on the Galaxy List. In this episode, we've got one Dynamite interview coming up, a language primer, our contest winner, and lots more. Don't forget, you can get involved in the action. We can always use more writers, voice actors, sound engineers, and editors, and of course, more players for the game. Our efforts to bring in more players is relentless. Don't forget to contact the show by voicemail or email. All the contact information is on the site, in the show notes, that's something new for this episode, and at the end of the show. As always, we'll start things off with a trivia question about Star Trek, and we'll have the answer by the end of the show. What two stars of Star Trek Deep Space Nine were married in real life in 1997? Again, the answer is at the end of today's show. Now we're going to talk about the March and April promotions, new members, and awards for those playing in TFE. On Forest Outpost, on April 15th, Sean Walker received the Purple Academy Ribbon of Excellence. On New Darwin Colony, we have the following promotions. March 7th, Kareem Moratai from Lieutenant Commander to Full Commander. On March 10th, Lieutenant Junior Grade Clive Youngblood promoted to full lieutenant. Later, Lieutenant Commander Sam Fisher from the Armory Chief to the Chief of Colony Security. And Lieutenant Clive Youngblood assigned field rank of Lieutenant Commander, also going from Comm Chief to Comm Chief and the Executive Officer. Awards. March 5th, Clive Youngblood gets the pre Ribbon of Commendation First Class, as well as Adaver Randy, the Preantaries Ribbon of Commendation First Class. New crew, Ensign Tony Rogers joining as Chief Medical Officer. And a big welcome back to Lieutenant Junior Grade Susanna Blockpeel, assigned as Chief Science Officer. Also, Petty Officer Third Class Kaliva was appointed as Corpsman. On the Challenger, they received a new crew member, Ensign Lisa Rao, a Medical Officer. On the Yorktown, promotions, Lieutenant Junior Grade George Boyle was promoted to full lieutenant. He also received the Ricketts Award winner. We'll have more on what that means later. And new players, Officer Cadet Jack Moore, an engineering officer. On the Meridian, Commander Roger Finney was promoted to captain and commanding officer on April 18th. Lieutenant Junior Grade Zoe Sanderson was promoted to lieutenant on April 25th. Several awards were given out on April 25th. Commander Katrina Davidson was given the Bronze Starfleet Cross. Lieutenant Commander Ian Frazier, Starfleet Citation for Conspicuous Bravery and a Letter of Commendation. Lieutenant Timo Van Hansen, the Preantaries Ribbon Second Class and a Letter of Commendation. And Lieutenant Zoe Sanderson, the Preantaries Ribbon Second Class. They had crew incoming of Lieutenant Tim Navarro, Chief Medical Officer, as of April 24th. Again, if I have missed any, please let me know and I will update the information next podcast. 
For this episode, I got a chance to interview Mer Lafferty. She is a writer, her credits including writing for role-playing games, as she'll explain, and she's a long-time podcaster. It was a real treat to get her on the show. This is probably not going to be normal, interviewing people not playing the game, but I have to tell you, if you don't know Mer Lafferty well, she is liquid awesome. If you get a chance, check out her many projects and her webpage at merverse.com, which will be listed in the show notes. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. Tell everyone about yourself. Okay, uh, my name is Mer Lafferty. I'm a podcaster and writer. Uh, I've written for role-playing games and magazines, and I've written a couple of books that I have since released via podcast. I have a podcast about writing, and I release my uh, stuff, my, my writing on podcasts. I have a superhero novel called Playing for Keeps, and I have uh, several novellas that I call the Heaven Series, which are uh, I'm releasing in seasons, so I'm up to season four now. Heaven, Hell, Earth, and Wasteland. And there's other stuff, but it gets to be really long. I, I, I keep myself very busy. <laughs> well, you have a detailed bio on your website. Yes. Which we will link to in the show notes. And according to your bio, you have written for over 15 role-playing games. Yes. So would you tell everyone how you got involved in that and, and what you contributed to the role-playing game community? Well, I was working at Red Storm Entertainment, which is a computer game company, and we had hired uh, Richard Dansky, who is a, who was a developer with White Wolf. When I got laid off from Red Storm, he suggested I try some freelance stuff, and he referred me to a colleague of his at White Wolf, who gave me my first break. And I wrote the storytelling chapter in uh, Dark Ages Mage which was before they rebooted the whole universe of mage and vampire and werewolf and all that. So I wrote that, and then I just started getting more more jobs leading from that. The game I worked the most on was Warcraft, and then uh, sort of version 2 was World of Warcraft. I wrote for both of those core books, and then I wrote for many of the uh, supplement books. I've written for Exalted, uh, The New Mage, The New Vampire... And then I wrote a little bit for Hogshead and a little bit for um, the Blackmore, Dave Arneson's uh, world. Great. So what right now are your favorite games? Uh, I've heard you mention Arkham Horror, and I thought that sounded like a Batman game, but I found it's a Cthulhu game. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, it's a Cthulhu game. I'm a, I mainly play board games now because... Uh, you know, I, I'm doing the the problem of I'm in my 30s. I've got a kid. It's harder to get my friends together for role playing on a regular basis, um, and I miss it. But mainly doing board games now, and I love Arkham Horror because it does have an aspect of role playing in it. There are several different characters to play with several different stats, and you can role play as much as you want or not at all. Um, but it's it's a co- cooperative board game where you run around Arkham and you fight monsters and you eventually have to fight somebody like Cthulhu or Thakwa from the the H.P. Lovecraft mythos and it's a wonderfully designed game and it's it's quite complicated so it's got a steep learning curve but most everybody I've taught it to have said that it's well worth it. Okay. Well, I'm using this podcast as sort of a marketing tool to draw more people into our game. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some of the best features or benefits of playing a role-playing game, whether it's online or with people? For me, it was being able to connect with my friends in a way we usually didn't do. There are very few pursuits that allow you to be creative with a group of your friends. When you're role-playing, you're all just sitting there telling stories together, essentially, and that is 
You know, I saw sides of my friends that I'd never seen before. It's just a great way to experience things. Online, it's a very different thing, but I like online role-playing games because I don't have to do the math, and I don't have to worry that I'm doing something wrong, or that I'm reading something, or I forget to to include a stat in in modifying a role or something. So um, online role-playing games are good for the lazy, <laughs> and and if you can't get your and if you can't get your friends together. Um, I was addicted to World of Warcraft for quite some time, and I finally tore myself away from it because I get—I just can't take the time to sit down every night, and all of my friends were leveling much faster than I was, and I don't really like playing with strangers. So, um, but I still—I you know—I see the benefit of it. I love the games, I really do. But um, yeah, yeah, it's just—it's—it's it's playing with your friend. It's—it's it's being allowed to play. Let's pretend. As an adult, you know, you you know, if I go to my husband and say, "Hey, let's run around the woods and pretend we're elves," he'll probably look at me strange. But if I suggest getting together a game of D and D, you know, that's a little different. I, it's a it's a small veneer, but it's necessary. Exactly. In, in our game, we don't have any dice rolls. Uh, you level up in rank if if you play long enough, but uh, it has some of those be- benefits that you talked about. Now, as far as becoming a better writer, why should someone want to become a better writer? <laughs> well, uh, of course, my thought is, well, it, you should want to be better in any pursuit that you do. Uh, I don't know anybody who's currently satisfied with, you know, completely satisfied with how they're doing in any one pursuit. But um, th- there's there's something about that feeling you get when you write something and you know it's good. You don't You don't need to show it to anybody. You want to. But you don't need to, because you know that it's good. And only after you get a sense of, like, you have to get past the first feeling of, I wrote a story, hooray me. And then, you know, when you're when you're a, a core beginner, you think, hooray, I wrote a story. And then you show it to somebody. And if it's somebody who actually wants to help you, they'll point out all the things wrong with it. And then you'll get discouraged. And then you realize you need to recognize when you mess up, you need to recognize your own poor writing, and so then you focus on that. And then once you begin to practice more and get more skills, you begin to recognize when you do good writing. You can feel it when you do it. In our game, no one will criticize you or come down on you for your grammar or your word choice because we want to encourage people to write. As you say, the number one rule of writing right. is just do it. Just, just write. So, as a game, it encourages people to do just that, to write. Yeah. But what are some other ways that you recommend, I guess, blood strokes, how people can become a better writer? Allow yourself to suck. If you are so worried about writing something good, if you're so worried about searching for that feeling that I just described, you are going to stress yourself out and you're not going to you're not going to do anything. But if you just sit down and write and you don't care what you write, you just get the words on the paper, then, you know, if you put enough words down, something good will come out of it. I think that's that's one of the biggest things is if you allow yourself to write whatever comes out of your mind, then you you will get better. I think that's something everybody has a problem with because everybody wants to think that every single thing they write is worth publishing. And if it's not worth publishing, they're wasting their time. And that's not that's not quite true. I think if you have an idea, just write it down. Do it. And if something good comes out of it, then great. And if something bad comes out of it, well, you've at least gotten practice writing. So, Murr, what projects are you working on now? Well, currently I'm working on a novel. It's called 
codename Underground, and I'm not being all coy about it. I honestly don't have a title for it. I just wanted something I could call it. It's about 30,000 words into it, or I'm about 30,000 words into it, rather. And uh, podcast-wise, I am writing and producing a an audio drama that'll premiere next month at Balticon. We've got a pretty good cast, and the script is nearly done, and I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, if, if any of your listeners are going to Balticon, please show up for the reading of that and check out uh, merverse.com or zombink.com for the takeover uh, later on this month, and it'll launch in June. Tell me about your website, merverse.com. I had a listener ask me if there was a master feed for all of my work because I got a lot of stuff out there. And I said no, but then I thought, well, why not? So uh, then I started work on the Merverse where I could put all of my projects together in one big feed. And so if you want one of my projects, you can go to IShouldBeWriting.com or the Geek Food Morning Show, which is my occasional uh, podcast I do with my best friend Jason Adams. You know, you, you can go to PlayingForKeepsNovel.com or you can go to the Merverse and subscribe to one feed and get everything I put out. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Sure, thanks for having me. It's been fun. For this episode, we're going to focus a little time on the NX-05, the Yorktown, also known as the Fighting Lady. The Yorktown was the winner of Starfleet First Era Flag Sim for 2155. She was awarded the Star Award of Excellence. 2153 and the Superior Unit Award in 2153, 2154, and 2157. The NX-05, or Earth Starship, the ESS Yorktown, is under the command of Commander Race Morgan and Officer Lieutenant George Boyle. Other crew include Chief Armory Officer Nathaniel Cameron, Chief Helmsman Dinak Kedar and Andorian, Chief Engineering Officer Ed McWilliams, Dr. Prax, a civilian, Denobulin, Medical Officer Benjamin Q. Sang, and Chief Science Officer George H. Boyle. The website is dedicated to the memory of William Bill Parker. Bill simmed with the Yorktown as Fleet Captain Mick Thompson since nearly its launching and has even served as the Fighting Lady's commanding officer until his untimely death from cancer. The crew of the Yorktown lost a captain, mentor, and a friend with his passing. On the website, you'll find such gems as a full crew roster, and I mean full, not just those we've listed, but all 90 people, at least their position, and shifts listed. Wow, that's an impressive amount of work. Also, what is the Ricketts Award? That is an award given semi-annually to the best simmer on board the Yorktown as voted by their peers and the Yorktown Command Team. Quality and quantity of logs, as well as out-of-character involvement, are all considered. The Ricketts Award is named in honor of Lieutenant Milton E. Ricketts, who was awarded the Medal of Honor during World War II for actions on the USS Yorktown. For more information about this and the history of ships named the Yorktown, visit the site. There's so much more on their site. So even if you're not a member of this sim, be sure to check it out soon. By the end of April, they had 3,412 messages or posts in their archive, which became active on March 20th, 2002, with a post from none other than Captain Hawk. This is your Star Trek movie update on Red Shirt Girl. 
With Star Trek filming now complete, Abrams has tightened the lid even more on the resurrected franchise's storyline. He said the movie would remain faithful to the original while breaking new ground in action, drama, and visual effects from ILM. To quote, I feel like this is so unlike what you expect, so unlike the Star Trek you've seen. At the same time, it's being true to what's come before, honoring it. I can say the effects for Star Trek have never, ever been done like this. I can only tell you the idea of the universe of Star Trek has never been given this kind of treatment. Apparently, Abrams expects to attract a whole new generation of Trekkers to the exploits of the Starship Enterprise. Speaking to the Associated Press about the 11th Star Trek flick, he remarked, It was an opportunity to take what I think has been a maligned world, to sound crass, a franchise, and treat it in a way that made it something that I wanted to see. He continued, To take the character, the thoughtfulness, the personalities, the sense of adventure, the idea of humanity working together, the sense of social commentary and innovation, all that stuff. To take it and apply it in a way that felt genuinely thrilling, Abrams concluded by suggesting that the film is intended for people who are completely enamored with Star Trek, as well as fans of movies, not fans of Star Trek necessarily. Opening May 28th next year, the movie sees old favorites, Captain James T. Kirk, Dr. McCoy, and Mr. Spock in their formative years at Starfleet Academy. That's all for now. I'm Red Shirt Girl, and this has been your Star Trek movie update. Hi, this is J.C. Hutchins, author of the podcast novel trilogy, Seven Sun, and you're listening to The First Era Podcast. Now it's time for the Fleet Plot Update. This is a summation of the events taking place in March and April on the Galaxy List. We began by looking at events on New Darwin, where Rear Admiral Susanna Batenberg visits. Kareem Muratai, the commanding officer of the colony, takes her on a tour. They see the progress being made and meet with influential members of the Dallywacken people. Commander Ahmed Jarobalda arrives to oversee the development of the new academy facilities as commandant on New Darwin Colony. Later, the commander holds a conference explaining the role of the academy for Starfleet and Dallywacken interests. Now, following the Starfleet task force, you recall they were sent to a secret base believed to be controlled by... Romulans. Well, the Romulan base is an orbital space station with docking facilities. Its location is above Theta Ara 3. The task force, led by the Meridian, creates a plan to get the Mako team aboard and establish a foothold. Then they can relay more detailed information as to the defensive manpower of the station. The task force arrives to find the orbiting facility did indeed have substantial defensive batteries and an active shield generator. They force their way through the assault, and, and shuttle pods begin to get to the station. The Makos on board find no resistance. In fact, the way station seems empty, the, def the defenses all automated. In the aftermath of the battle, a crewman from the Morning Star is dead, the Meridian has suffered damage as well as the Morning Star, and Romulan scouts arrive in the area. Commander Finney orders blocking of transmissions, and if possible, their destruction. Makos on the way station trigger a subroutine that prohibits downloading of information and activates a self-destruct mechanism. The team tries to evacuate the station either by transporter or shuttle pod. The station explodes. Finney orders the team to withdraw and depart, realizing there was little or nothing left to retrieve or salvage. The task force will be headed for 
Forest Outpost. The crew of the Meridian takes stock of what has happened. According to the medical report, all of the casualties that made it to sickbay are going to recover, most of them fully. They did lose 24 in total from all ships, including the Mako Force. Mason, the Mako unit commander, reported that they got a look at their systems, learned that Starfleet technology can effectively communicate with theirs with a little difficulty. But any useful information was already wiped, and the rest was protected from download. It was an ambush, and the Romulans knew Starfleet was coming. Alone, Commander Finney reports to Batenberg, now back on Earth. He concludes by explaining two Starfleet personnel were killed, one from the Meridian and one was from the Morningstar. The remaining dead were all from the Mako detachment. Batenberg replied, Commander, there's one thing I need to say and do. Even though the outcome of this mission isn't what we hoped, or perhaps some even expected, that is not something that you or your crew could influence. The fact that you managed to bring home as many as you did speaks of your abilities. She then promoted Finney to the rank of captain and confirmed his position as captain of the Meridian. The focus now at Starfleet Command Headquarters in San Francisco. We see the highest ranking officers of Starfleet gather to process the news. The meeting is interrupted by a Commander Gallagher. A transmission of Romulan propaganda includes footage from the Task Force mission. It is made to look as if Starfleet were the aggressors, violently attacking for no reason. The narrator claims hundreds of Romulan civilians were slaughtered by the Starfleet team. The voice ends with a clear declaration of war. The officers reluctantly agree. There's no getting out of it. Plans are drawn to make sure Starfleet still has allies, as well as to be proactive on as many fronts as possible. Soon after, the president of Earth government makes a rebuttal speech, but also makes it clear Earth, including Starfleet, is at war. He attempts to outline the truth, parsing out the Romulan lies, but nothing can stop the inevitability of what is to come next, a dark time of war. Well, I have to give a big shout-out and thank you to both Josh and Kate, who submitted a Dallywacken language primer. I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. And once you've brushed up on your Dallywacken, well, I hope you won't laugh at me too much when I butcher it. So, without further ado, here it is. Hello, First Era. Akina. I am Kate, and I play Adavara Rondi. That's pronounced Adavara, or Vara, or, if you're human, Vari. I'm a Dallywacken civilian at New Darwin, and I'm closely associated with the science department of the Starfleet contingent on Una Latma, Gamma Sagittari 2. Aki Aki, I'm Josh, I play Corman Petty Officer 3rd Class Kaleva Dine on New Darwin. Kaleva happens to be the first Dollywalkin graduate of the Starfleet Academy there. Kate and I would like to give everyone in the first era a brief glimpse into the unique Dolly Walken language we've been developing on the new Darwin sim. We think you'll find it interesting, and it will help you to hear it as you read the dialogue, which is now peppered with greetings and phrases from all of the players. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun having everyone pitch in and use the language. Um, we're trying to make it simple and easy to learn, but we hope that it still manages to feel like a good quality sci-fi language. Perhaps the place to start is with an introduction. Kaliva is also known as Kalei, Vari, or Vara, and our commander at New Darwin is the esteemed Dalywakan Karin Maratai. The planet is Una Lotma. Una means new, and Lotma means hope, new hope. 
Well, since the planet was freed from the Klingon slavery a year and a half ago, that is what has come to symbolize to the Dollywalken slaves that mm-hmm. still live there. Yes. So we'd like to take a little bit of time here to uh, share a few useful phrases that uh, you'll find in the New Darwin Log Archives, like we've mentioned. Start out with saying hello. Akina is the polite way to say hello. You would use that as a more formal greeting, say, with a new acquaintance. Aki is a more informal way. You might say that to your friend on the street. And Aki-Aki is even more informal than that. Also, as in English, it's common for Dolly Watkins to ask someone how they're doing. Donava, are you well? So a sample conversation on the street might sound something like, Aki, Kate. Aki-Aki, Josh, Donava. Vadona kite. Kite means thanks. Also, if you are asked how you're doing, you might say vakislasi. I am fine now, or I am okay now. It would be the appropriate response to Spock's famous inquiry, Are you alright, Jim? Vakislasi. I have to compliment my linguist companion here, Josh, who is really the one who turns all the words that I make up into a logical language form with pronouns and conjugations and logic that I somehow lack. (laughs) Okay, okay. You're very good. Well, that's just a little sampling of the language. Um, We'll try and keep the language database on the new Darwin webpage updated. Until then, we'll just close out our segment of the podcast by reciting the motto inscribed on the colony charter plaque that hangs in the new Darwin command headquarters. It's a quote from the 20th century actor Christopher Reeve. It's written on the uh, plaque in both Earth Standard and Dolly Walken. In Earth Standard, it reads, So many of our dreams at first seem impossible. Then they seem improbable, and then, when we summon the will, they soon become inevitable. And in Dolly Walken, Mevesh desakan mon valesa falanasi vase olakasa gorjo ki lania desakan vamensa falane. Very good. Nay, Kate. <laughs> Kite, Josh. So, that's all for this episode's introduction to Dolly Walken. Until next time, donava. Donava. And now we're on to the guerrilla marketing campaign portion of our podcast. Last time we talked about using social networking. Now let's talk about going a step further by actually talking to people face to face. Likely, you've got a friend who is into sci-fi or writing or some other geeky stuff. If you could go to the new Star Trek movie tonight, who would you most want to come with you? Talk to them about joining Remember, they can pick which sim they want to join. They can join the game you're playing. If everyone gets just one person to join, we will double in size. What can you say to make the first era appeal to your friend? You could play up the open-ended nature of the game. Perhaps they like video games, but are restricted to the rails inherent in all video games. Not so with TFE. Almost anything you can imagine is possible as long as it's grounded in Enterprise-era reality. Remember, if you can do anything, well, everything becomes boring. Basically, find something your friend would like and stress that to them. They might like to participate in the podcast, or make new friends all over the world. This game is about fun, and who doesn't want more fun in their life? Now, let's get back to the contest. As you might remember from our last show, we opened up the contest to anyone participating in the guerrilla marketing campaign. The winner will receive a hardbacked graphic novel. It's 
The Ultimate Iron Man, written by Orson Scott Card, which is a good tie-in with a recent movie release. I've seen the movie, and it's awesome. I want to thank everyone who advertises, who talks about the First Era podcast to others. Susie, as just one example, is relentless in advertising the game. And that's what this contest is about. Getting more people talking about it. Getting more word of mouth going. And so, who is the winner? It was Rick Hunter for his excellent feedback on the original show. Rick, send me your address and the book will be on its way. Again, congratulations. We're going to have another contest. And again, it's the same premise. Send an email on the official TFE podcast line on what you have done to advertise the first era, to bring in more players, or any kind of feedback on the show. Of those who respond, someone will be selected to win an actual prize. The winner will be announced in the next show, and the prize revealed. All entries should be sent to our official email. In fact, let's get on to the contact information. If you want to send the show your comments, questions, trivia questions, a review of an episode, whatever you feel like. Everything should go to our main email address, tfepodcast at gmail.com. Again, that will be in our show notes. You can also call and leave audio comments on the voicemail line. It's not a toll-free number. It's a United States number. Keep that in mind. The telephone number is 206-350-1308. We did get one voicemail message on our voicemail line. Let's hear it. Thank you for the fleet plot update. It was very useful for planning our actions. This is the Romulan Senate. And even if you just want to call in and give us your real name and what character you play, we'd love to have your feedback and it will enter you into the contest. Oh, and I haven't forgotten. Let's get to the trivia answer. What two stars of Deep Space Nine were married in 1997? Alexander Siddig, Dr. Julian Bashir, and Nana Visitor, Major Kira Nerees, were married in real life in 1997, right after the show's fourth season. All things Star Trek are registered trademarks of Paramount Pictures and their respective owners. No copyright violation is intended. This is a non-profit organization administered by Star Trek fans. This podcast is distributed on a Creative Commons, no commercial, non-derivatives, 2.5 share-alike license. Make copies, spread the word, just don't change it, and don't sell it. This is Scott signing off saying live long and write faster. I'm going to talk about the January... <laughs> yeah, January. That's timely. All things Star Trek are related... Let's try that again. Now it's time for our closing and legal. No, no, no. Now it's time for the fleet plot update. This is everything. This is everything. Everything you could ever want. Frack.